Welcome back to episode number 50 of the MP Dude. 50. We've done this 50 times already. I don't know. Seems seems like I'm on like number 8. Still still feels pretty new to me. But um, it, we've gone through a lot of topics together so far. And uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from you guys. And I really, really do appreciate that. Um... I don't know. Is it better? I, to somebody tell me, like, listen, straight through, one to, one to 50, anybody that's done that, um, am I getting any better at this? I don't know. I, I, th- I think I'm pretty much the same. <laughs> I don't I don't re-listen to a lot of my shows unless somebody calls me out on something and says, oh, you said that wrong, and I'll go back and listen to that. But I don't usually re-listen to a lot of it. So tell me if you think I'm getting better. I want to hear, hey, uh, you know, it's getting a little better, or no, it's not. Same, same, same. I'm good with that, too. Um, you can listen on iTunes, guys. Always listen on iTunes. I don't care. You can listen on iTunes. You can watch. You can stream through my uh, website, thenpdude.com. You can also uh, catch it on Facebook, which the hyperlinks take you right to my to my webpage, and uh, that's a nice, easy way to get it. So, go onto the web onto my Facebook page, like and share that. You guys did a great job last night. I got like. I don't know, 30, 20 some shares. I don't. It was it was unbelievable. It was it was fantastic. You guys are really really listening in the last couple of days, and and uh, my my overall likes for the for the show went up by about I don't know six or eight, which is which is decent for a day on an evening uh, where people are working and busy doing their thing. So I appreciate that. Um, questions and comments, send them to me, guys, because I need to know what you guys are worried about. I need to know what issues you guys have so that I know what to talk about and so that I can learn too. This is really a selfish thing for me. It's all about me. I just want to learn. It's not about me. It's about us. We're a community. We need to be together. We got to stick together on this. And I've said it a bunch of times and I really mean it. If we can be cohesive as as a collective unit in how we approach topics outside of our profession, we will look more intelligent will be taken more seriously and we and we'll just we'll be uh, better off you know whether whether I agree or disagree with the approach as long as we stay consistent as a as a as a community on how we handle things I think that's a great way to go and I like the way that we do it with with um, from the legal standpoint everybody's asking great questions saying how, how should we do this as a collective and, and I'm seeing some of that now one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was was um, more insurance. I, I've gotten a couple more insurance questions, and I saw something on one of the Facebook posts, and I can't remember which which page it was because I kind of just scammed through them real quick right now. Um, and it was talking about nose coverage. Has anybody ever heard of nose coverage before? Well, I hadn't heard of nose coverage, and um, I couldn't think of a reason why you would need it. To be honest with you, as an attorney, I just can't. I couldn't think of one. And uh, so I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, what, is, what the hell are they talking about nose coverage? And I, I know what it is. I mean, you can tell by the, it's the opposite of tail coverage, which um, led to a whole other discussion of maybe we need to revisit all of insurance again. Just real short, brief, like quick. Um, because I'm getting a lot of people that are asking questions, follow-up questions about insurance. And I'm not sure that, that I did the best job explaining uh, the insurance uh, the malpractice types and um, malpractice insurance types in that one episode, and it was way back when. I mean, it was like thirty some episodes ago. So if you haven't, go to the search bar below and um, search for malpractice or insurance, and you'll get all the insurance shows. And if you're really that's the topic you you want to listen to and get caught up on, I would say go back and re-listen to those. And I'm going to shoot from the hip and try to cover some of that and try to tie in where this nose coverage thing could come in and it could, because I never heard of it I honestly hadn't um, 
and it just doesn't make sense to me. So well, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe I just never really cared to look it up. Um, so insurance. What are, what are the types of insurance policies that that are out there? Uh, the two main types of insurances that you're going to see are going to be a claims made policy or an occurrence based policy. And I haven't seen a single person with an occurrence-based policy yet. And I've seen a decent number of contracts from people in Ohio that have sent me stuff. And uh, my friends that I've talked to about insurance and just giving non-legal advice about you know definitions of what things are. And I haven't heard of anybody getting an occurrence policy. So if you're out there and you have an occurrence policy, shoot me an email, jeff at the npdude.com. I want to know why you have an occurrence policy and how much it is. And how they figured it out, and and um, why you're using that one? Just because I, I think it's it's an oddball anymore. I just don't I don't think that it's that common. And what an occurrence policy is is it's it's covers you for when the occurrence happens. Okay, it's not when the claim is made. So that's the opposite. So say you're uh, in practice, you've been working as a nurse practitioner for 30 years, and in year one you had an error in what you did that was later found to be um, negligent, okay, or, or expected to be found negligent. So somebody files a claim against you, and the claim is basically the lawsuit. Now, they have to be within the statute of limitations. Go back and listen to that one because I talk about malpractice and statute of limitations and why it matters. That's, that was a good show, and I think I did a decent job explaining that one. Uh, but if it's within the, the statute of limitations, or even if it's not, you, you notify your insurance company, and they start to work on your behalf to fight this thing. Well, when an occurrence happens, it can be 29 years ago and still be made against you, and your insurance company will cover you. Okay, even though even though your your uh, premium for that was paid long ago, it's a promise in the future that if an occurrence, if you did something when it happened, um, and you had an, that occurrence-based policy when it happened, they will cover you in the future. So how do you how do you get a cost on that? They they it's hard. So they usually overinflate the price of those. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me why anybody would even get an occurrence anymore. Why why an insurance company would would stick their neck out that far? in this day and age. So what do most people end up getting? A claims-made policy. And a claims-made policy is simply when the suit is filed, if you have an insurance policy that's a claims-made policy and you're otherwise uh, falls within the, the agreement that you have with your insurer, then, um, then they step in your shoes and protect you. But it's when the claim is made, not when the occurrence happens. So that's the big difference. So in other words, if it happened a decade ago, and they found out that uh, you know you, you misdiagnosed something, and then it came to light a year ago, and and now they're dying of cancer or something like that, and they want to sue you for it, then your malpractice insurance would kick in when they sue you, or at the at the, the the point where you are anticipating being sued, is when you would do it. It's when the claim is a ma- is made or about to be made. Because they want you to notify them, not when the lawsuit happens. They want to, you know, as soon as you get wind that somebody might sue you, you call your insurance company. And that's spelled out in your policy when you're to call. All the details are, you know, when you do everything, and you follow the, pro- the rules in the contract. Because if you don't, then they may not cover you. So you got to read your policies when when the crap hits the fan. You got to be like Johnny on the spot reading your policy. Make sure you're following the rules. So tail coverage occurs. And that's the third type, 
it happens when you leave one practice and go to another, you have a gap of insurance, then you would want something that would protect you in between because your claims made policy may or may not cover you because it might have lapsed when you left that practice. Now this is more for, I think, physicians than it is nurse practitioners because in reality, your malpractice insurance is so cheap that you would just buy your own malpractice policy. The second you know you're leaving, you call up you know, 1-800-PRO-LIABILITY or NSO or NFO or whatever the other one. I don't even know what the other ones are, but there's a bunch of them out there. You can go through AANP and get, you know, get hooked up with an insurance company there too, and you're going to buy your own policy. And it's a generic policy, and it's an auto policy type idea. In other words, it follows you. So it doesn't matter where you go, as long as you, within that time frame, you're acting within the scope of your, your practice and you accidentally hurt somebody when you're acting within your scope of practice and, and they sue you, that policy kicks in. Now again, you can't know that you've got a lawsuit coming in and go in good faith say, oh yeah, I didn't know this was coming and, and get a policy. If they catch wind that you do, then they're not going to cover you. You're not going to have malpractice. But tail coverage would do that too. Now, tail coverage, maybe. You might be able to get that. But the problem is is that they might not give you that policy if they know that there's something coming down the pipe. It's like um, the analogy I would use would be um, it's the pre-existing condition idea. You can't get insurance for a pre-existing condition. Well, it's the same thing with, with, uh, with liability insurance, too. They're not going to cover you for something that hasn't happened yet, but that you know might. They're going to say, Eesh, yeah, it's not worth our risk. They'll pass you up. Say, nope, we're not going to give it. And I'm pretty sure when you get your application filled out, it says, do you know of or whatever. You have to attest that there's no like potential suit that you know of. But that's what I would do. I would just get a claims-made policy for when I, you know, if I was leaving um, employer one and go to employer two and I got a six-month gap between because I'm moving and I'm taking time off and, you know, maybe I got a graduation or something that's in between that I have to go to somewhere else and see a niece or nephew graduate, whatever it is, while you're off, um, it's a good idea to have a policy. And so you can get a policy that doesn't say that you have to be actively practicing right at that moment. You can get insurance policy and say, I'm a nurse practitioner and I want a policy for X amount of dollars. And here's the scope of practice that I do. And you're done. That's it. Now, what's this nose coverage? I don't friggin' know because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Why would I need to backdate when I have um, insurance in a claims-made situation? Because most of them are claims-made. You, you really wouldn't. It's when the claim happens is when you're protected. So if you did it you know, six months before you, you got your claims-made policy and you didn't have any idea that you were going to get sued, and then you have your claims-made policy, and then all of a sudden you're getting sued. Guess what? Your claims-made policy should kick in. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. And maybe there's some fine print that I haven't found, but I, I, it should kick in. Now, the, the nose policy, I think the only reason it might make sense would be if you had an occurrence-based policy, and you don't know about the occurrence, and you want to reach back in time to grab that prior occurrence. That, that might make sense. But again, I don't think anybody's got an occurrence-based policy. If you do, I want to hear about it. This sounds to me, when somebody says nose policy, it sounds like an insurance agent trying to take advantage. <laughs> it's, it's like buying life insurance for your kids. It's just not needed in most cases. I don't, I don't know anybody that ever really needed life insurance for a child. Why would you pay for that? I mean, it's just, they're not bringing income into the family. 
they're actually more of, you know, it costs money to have kids. Why, why would you need that? That doesn't make sense to me. So it's the same thing with this nose policy. So, so if somebody's got a reason why you get a nose policy, tell me. I'm not going to look it up because I've never heard of it. I don't, I don't even think I've ever heard nose policy in law school. So it sounds like a designer policy that somebody's just trying to sell you. So be leery of insurance agents. They're going to convince you that the sky is falling and you need to get every single little tiny thing added into a policy and maximum limits and all this, that, and the other thing. When in reality, maybe you don't need that. So if you're going to buy insurance policies and it starts tacking up there and it can cost, it might be worth two or 300 bucks to pay a lawyer to say, what do I really need? So call your local bar association, ask for a reputable attorney, and they'll get you to somebody. And for you know an hour, you could sit down and talk to them and say, here's all these policies that I'm, that I'm being offered. What do I really need, and why is this an issue? And they'll tell you. And they'll probably tell you the same thing I'm telling you. But I'm not giving you legal advice. That's the difference, right? I'm just giving you information so that you can be educated to go make your own decisions. So there you go. So that's the nose policy thing. I don't know. I never heard of that one. Weird, weird. Seems weird. My hair, my hackles raise up when I hear weird things like that. I'm like, yeesh, it sounds like somebody just got taken advantage of nose policy. We have an arm policy, finger policy. I got an ear policy next. Jeez, oh, Pete, come on, guys. What are we doing here? All right. Anywho, so other thing I want to talk about, just real quick, and this is an Ohio thing. So if you're bored and you're like, man, I can't drive anymore and listen to Jeff talk on anymore, and he's really droning on, then now's the time to switch. Time to switch switch off the, the headphones, switch off the car, whatever it is you're listening on, and, and uh, switch if you're bored and you don't want to listen to Ohio. But this rounds out one that um, we talked about a little while ago that was reflecting everybody's issues and the question was can you prescribe medicines to a loved one right and I think I did a decent job on that episode because I didn't get anybody yelling at me um, and I had a lot of downloads of that one so I think I covered that one pretty good here's the issue that I see today and it was somebody that posted in uh, the Ohio Facebook group for nurse practitioners that said um, FYI, and then they posted a, a PDF of the proposed rule in Ohio through the board, and it's the Ohio Administrative Code, and it's the, the changes that are reflective of Ohio House Bill 216 that was enacted in, and went into effect April 6th. And the biggest thing I saw in there that I thought was interesting, that it had some CPG stuff like how they're going to do the formulary and stuff like that, which really wasn't earth-shattering. Um, but what I did see in there that was that was interesting was the ICD-10 code stuff for scripts was written in there. So you have to start putting ICD-10 codes on any scheduled medications. So if it's codeine for cough, you need to put the ICD-10 code on a written script from now on. It's got to be written on the script. That's ICD-10 code. That, that's kind of crazy, right? That's just more one more lever of, level of pin in the ass. That's one thing. And then the other thing that I saw that was interesting, these are draft rules, so these aren't the final ones. So don't take it for, you know, take it as, as a grain of salt that, you know, this is what it probably will be but may not be. The other thing I saw in there that was really interesting was relating to um, the, the prescribing for a family member. And it mirrored pretty much what I said, that you have to have an open active chart and that you can do it and you can do all this stuff and that stuff. But um, it spelled it out in writing what you can't do um, for family members. And it says it's discouraged and you have to have a uh, disinterested um, 
um, uh, I don't even know how they, they worded it because I'm not reading it right now, but a disinterested, um, you know, viewpoint on the, on the, on the treatment plan. So you're not really that close to it. And so, you, you know, if, if you're, you know, prescribing medications and it's a lost cause and somebody's sick and you're just throwing stuff at them and it's not working and, you know, you're not being disinterested, you know, you're not doing what a normal practitioner would do. You're doing something different than you would do for anybody else. Then they, they could, they could pull your license for that. Um, the other thing I saw in there with that was that, um, they specifically said no narcotics for family members or yourself, which I said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But they actually are putting it in, into the actual rules. So it was just good practice before, put you on the DEA, DEA's radar before. Now they're explicitly stating it. I don't think they said that before in the old rules. So that's new, I think. So anyways, it was interesting, Read I... I, I had seen that that was posted, but I didn't really spend much time looking at it because I was like, eh, it's proposed. And I usually don't get too worked up about proposed rules, but it was interesting to see where I think they're going with this thing. And um, the CPG stuff wasn't earth-shattering. It, it didn't seem like there was anything really major than what was anticipated out of House Bill 216, which is basically to strip down the formulary to exclusionary only and new medications, um that are not on the formulary or discussed, then you are allowed to do them if, you're, if your um, collaborative does them. So, anyways, I'll, I'll have more developments as that actually finalizes. We'll go through new rules in Ohio as they develop just to help get people some kind of guidance because it's, I'm going through it anyways for me, so I might as well just narrate it and get it out there for you guys, and hopefully it's in a form that makes it a little bit more understandable. It's so convoluted. It really is. I'm so glad that I went to law school so that I could practice as a nurse practitioner, right? I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. I, don't, I couldn't imagine not being versed at all in regulations and rules and trying to, to navigate this. So I applaud you guys for, you know, going into this because, man, oh, man, is it, it's so convoluted and confusing. And it changes so rapidly that you, you pretty much have to be um, a quasi-attorney to be able to, to do this stuff. You know, keep up with the rules and the, and and uh, all the insurance changes and geez, oh Pete, they make it so hard. Can't we just treat people? I mean, that, that's the way it should be, right? Why don't we scrap this? Why don't we all scrap this crap and move on to something better? I don't know. Anyways, that's my rant for today. What else do we want to talk about? I don't know, guys. I want you guys to tell me what you want to hear. I got a bunch of things, but I don't have them right in front of me, and I'm I'm heading to work, and I'm kind of tired still, so I'm running on like four and a half hours sleep. So I don't know. You guys got to help me. Tell me what you want to hear about. Send me an email, jeff at the mpdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook in the message. Uh, PM me there. You can PM me personally as well. You can get me on iTunes. Um, but don't forget to rate me. I, I think I still have three. I looked last night real quick. I only have three ratings. It's still mocking me. You guys got to get me uh, enough ratings so that it stops laughing at me. It says, sorry, you're, don't, you're not good enough to have enough ratings to get a real rating. But it gives me the individual ratings, and it gives me comments. So if you think I'm worth a crap, give me a rating. If you give me a negative rating or a low rating, please tell me why so I can try to make this better. Um, I'm not asking for anything out of this podcast other than just to help the community. So I see people out there that are trying to monetize on things, and uh, I applaud them for uh, their entrepreneurial uh, attitude. I love that. I'm not doing that. My goal here is to just be part of a community, give information, gain information, and uh, you know, hopefully we can all learn together and have some fun along the way too. So uh, 
keep sharing and, uh, and liking the show on Facebook. That was great yesterday. You guys were awesome. Holy crap. I think it was the highest number of shares I've ever seen on the show in one day. I did put two episodes out, though, at one time, so I, that maybe that had something to do with it. But keep sharing the show, guys. That's how we're getting this out there. I'd love to st- get to that 1,000 mark on the, the, the page likes for my Facebook page. Um, you can always tag me, too, at the NP dude on Facebook, so you can tag me. Send me those ideas, guys. Thanks, and we'll talk soon.